When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome here in the Teal the Show Plus. I'm Jamal St. here alongside Justin Barney. Jaguars have a big game coming up this week against the San Francisco 49ers as the team comes off of a, a restful bye week, hopefully. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think this has been a good time. Everything has lined up perfectly for Jacksonville this season. I think the London trip was the perfect time. I think the bye week was the perfect time. And I think San Francisco is coming to town at a perfect time riding a three-game streak. Yeah, some some nagging injuries had started to kind of pile up for the Jaguars, so the bye week did come at a good time. It sounds like uh, guys like Tyson Campbell, Andre Sisco, Walker Little all could be ready to play this week. The one injury that's still kind of hanging around sounds like Zay Jones. Doug Peterson said today that Zay is going to be day-to-day, uh, so we'll have to wait and see just when Zay is going to be able to get back out on the field and if it will be this week. Yeah, you know, and, and I think for the offense, Zay is that – ingredient in the offense that you've got to have. The offense has not flowed well since Zay has been out. You know, the offensive line issues have been very pronounced. We've talked about them a lot, but I think that missing Zay Jones is huge to that offense. He lets the receivers, Christian Kirk and Calvin, really play their natural positions. And Zay is just so important to that offense, big time that he comes back. I don't know if it's going to happen, though, this year. He's probably going to IR. Hey, Zay has been sidelined for a while, but when he has played, it's worked out. But even when he hasn't played, the Jaguars have still been fine, and they have been rolling. Let's take a look at the standings, how the AFC South is stacking up right now. Jaguars pretty comfortable up there in that first-place spot, 6-2 and two record. The Texans aren't far behind, though, 4-4. Four and four. And keep in mind, the Texans do own a win over the Jaguars. So maybe a little bit closer for comfort than we may have expected it to be nine weeks through the season. But so far, the Jaguars are hanging out in that first spot. Yeah, you know, and I almost expected 2-3-4 and four to be inverse. I expect the Titans, the Colts, and then the Texans at the bottom of that AFC South. It's uh, completely flipped that. C.J. Stroud is the reason why he is uh, the reason why I'm a little worried about this Texans franchise being a little accelerated in the rebuild. He has been phenomenal through for 470 yards on Sunday. Rookie record uh, in a big win for the Texans. He has been phenomenal, much better than expected. And I, I would be risk if I did not say I'm a little more concerned about the Texans than I thought I would be at this point. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about C.J. Stroud later on in the show because uh, I know there are some questions about just how good he is. But overall, Jaguars got a good one of their own. Trevor Lawrence, the Jaguars on a five-game winning streak, 6-2 and two record. They're in first place in the AFC South, which is good because they want to win the division. But right now... People have dreams of that first overall seed in the AFC dancing in their head. So let's take a look at those AFC standings. Jaguars still hanging out close to the top. Third record in the standings. Chiefs at 7-2. and two. Ravens at 7-2. and two. Keep in mind the Jaguars still have a game against the Ravens so they could easily jump them. They have already played the Chiefs, and sadly, one of those Jaguars' losses came against Kansas City. So there is some work to do if they do want to get that number one overall seed, but it's it's work that can be done. They just have to keep on this hot streak. Yeah, you know, five wins in a row. 
again, a game better than I thought they would be at the bye week. We've already seen what they've done against the Chiefs. Not that impressive. Seen what they did against the Texans. Not that impressive. But since those games, they have been arguably the best team in the AFC. And, again, you did not think the playoff picture would happen last year like it did. They got hot at the right time. They've been more consistent this year. You'd like to see them continue to build on that offensive side of the ball and see if they can keep that five-game winning streak going. But I do think that AFC number one seed is in play. We did not think that last year. We're just open playoffs. And uh, number one seed AFC definitely in play this year for the Jags. Look, this time last year, I remember the Jaguars coming back from the bye week and the players said, we still have a chance to make the playoffs. And I, I remember, I think I was talking to Tyson Campbell and he said that. And in the back of my head, I said, what did he just say? And some kind of way, they made the run and they did it. So this year, very different story. Very different story for the Jaguars. And they're kind of in a comfortable position. Six and two start to the year. They feel good about where they're at in the division. Still have a lot of work to do in the conference and a lot of games left to play. So still a lot of work to do. Now, at the trade deadline, folks were chomping at the bit. We talked about it. We, we were chomping at the bit for a pass rusher. That didn't happen. Jaguars did make a trade, though. They didn't get the pass rusher everybody wanted, but they went a little bit of a different route. We were all focused on the defense. They said, nah, the offense is what needs the help. So they go get an offensive lineman from Minnesota, Ezra Cleveland. This is a trade that not a lot of people are going to talk about as much. Uh, Jaguars get this guy. He plays guard. He was a starter for them before, uh, but then was hurt this year. He is a good guard. Jaguars got him for just a sixth-round pick, so bargain kind of deal for him. Uh, you know, look, offensive line doesn't get enough love, but this provide, does fill a need. The Jaguars' offensive line needed depth. Absolutely. And they didn't have it, and Cleveland provides that. Absolutely. And, and to me, pass rush was the number one wish list on the, on, the, on the trade wish list. That did not materialize. But right behind that was offensive line. We've seen the issues on the offensive line this year. They've been very pronounced, whether it be injuries or inexperience or Cam Robinson's absence. But there have been issues on the offensive line almost from week one, really even going back to the preseason and training camp. So if you're going to make a deadline deal and it wasn't for a pass rusher, I'm glad they did offensive line. you got a swing tackle, swing guard in Ezra Cleveland. Walker Little is not back yet. So I do like the, the move for depth. They needed some additional reinforcements in that offensive line. Edric Cleveland provides him with that. And let's make sure we clear up things. Doug Peterson said today, Walker Little is the Jaguars starter at left guard. So that means Cleveland's there for depth. Tyler Shatley also there for interior offensive line depth. This is something we've talked about dating all the way back to training camp as the Jaguars were thin on that interior of the offensive line. Now they're getting some players. So that brings us to our first tired or wired question, Justin. The Jaguars have fixed their offensive line issues? I don't think so yet. I, I think they are in the process. Again, we've not seen a full offensive line complement other than for 11 plays this season. So we, it's tough to say that they fixed their offensive line problem when A. Walker Little has not been back. You've still got guys banged up. Brandon Sheriff still banged up. Uh, Tyler Shatley still in the mix. You remember you cut Ben Bartsch. You brought him back to the practice squad. Now you add Ezra Cleveland, who's coming off an injury himself. So, again, until we see that full offensive line complement playing together, lining up on the field getting snaps and meaningful games I'm not going to say it's fixed yet I think on the road to being fixed but not there yet look it's been a work in progress I do feel like with once Walker Little's healthy the offensive line will be yeah. fixed look they made a mistake going into the year whether you want to say it was that Ben Bartsch wasn't healthy or just not quite good enough look they just cut him and they were able to get him immediately back on the practice squad <laughs> if other teams thought that highly of Ben Bartsch somebody would have swooped in and, and, and signed him or offered him a deal they didn't so they made a mistake 
They fixed it. They got Walker Little. They, once Cam Robinson was back, they put Walker Little at the left guard spot. The problem was then Walker immediately got hurt in his first game at guard, so you never were really able to see a full game of the offensive line together. Keep in mind, Anton Harrison's a rookie who's made some rookie mistakes, which happen. That's what rookies do. And Brandon Sheriff has been banged up, dealing with some ankle injuries over the course of the year. So there have been some, some hiccups along the way. Once Walker Little's back healthy, once he's back out on the field, the offensive line should solidify. And now that you have Tyler Shatley and you'll have Cleveland that you can go to the well for off the bench, that strengthens that unit that much more. That way you can sustain an injury because, knock on wood, at some point injuries happen. Last year, Walker Little coming off the bench was huge for the Jaguars because Cam Robinson went down the key time of year. Walker Little comes in, they don't miss a beat. At some point, injuries happen in the NFL. So far, the Jaguars have actually, for like two years straight, worked out pretty well and right. stayed pretty healthy. But at some point, somebody's going to go down. Even last year, they had two key injuries late in the season. Dewan Smoot, Cam Robinson both went down. Right, and then kind of compounding that, you signed a Josh Wells in the offseason to kind of be that swing guy. Yep. He got injured in preseason. They waived him with an injury settlement. So there's versatility right there, a swing tackle, a big piece that you're counting on to be that depth piece. And he didn't even make it to, the, to week one of the regular season. You drafted Cooper Hodges. He was kind of a guy you look for as depth. Oh, by the way, he gets hurt up in joint practices with the Lions. So you had two integral pieces that you were counting on, didn't even make it to week one healthy. And then, by the way, you add the Cam Robinson suspension in there. You add the injury to Walker Little, and you've got all kinds of issues on the offensive line. And that just kind of yoked together with the inexperience of Anton Harrison has really kind of combined to make that unit a little behind the eight ball. All right, that brings us to our next question. So I promised we'd talk about C.J. Stroud. The big question after C.J. Stroud had a record-setting performance on Sunday and a lot of people were kind of pressing the panic button, is C.J. Stroud better than Trevor? It, it, he's having a better season than Trevor, for sure. I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would want uh, you know, Trevor running the offense or C.J. or C.J. running the offense in a playoff game like Trevor last year. I think Trevor grew up immensely. But no doubt, C.J. Stroud having a much better season. 14 touchdown passes, one interception. Yeah, the Texans, I mean, they, they routed the Jags when they played them by 20. He looks really good. I'm worried about C.J. Stroud going forward. I don't know if I would like to have C.J. for this stretch run or Trevor for the stretch run. I'm not willing to say that just yet. But C.J. having a better season than Trevor, no doubt. Look, here's the thing. You know, ever heard the saying, the grass isn't always greener? This is literally one of those things. Look, Sunday, C.J. Stroud had a fantastic game. Don't get me wrong. Past two weeks, he had, played, he had less than 200 yards passing. Let's take, pump the brakes. Trevor's good. I understand. You know, look, I, I always say this, and I would go back to this. Jaguars fans, you've been hurt before. I get it. It's, it's like PTSD. It's trauma. Like, it's yeah. okay. You've yeah. got a quarterback that you can believe in that can make all the plays. Take a deep breath. You don't have to look at what everybody else has got. Focus on what you got in the house. You got Trevor. You're good. CJ's yeah. doing fine. He's doing things. He's going to be more competitive and make the Texans a better team than maybe we expected them to be immediately. But that doesn't mean you go get rid of your guy like right now. Yeah, CJ's tossing all those touchdowns and all those passing yards. You want to know why he's having to do all that? Because they have no running game. Nobody. Keep in mind, I play fantasy football. I have Damian Pierce, so I know. I'm following their running game. They have nothing to speak of. Devin Singletary was starting at running back for them on Sunday. He gave them 29 yards. If Travis Etienne rushes for 29 yards in a game, we, it's not happening. So tra all those touchdowns that we keep talking about how great it is that Travis is finding the end zone, those are literally taking opportunities for touchdown passes away from Trevor Lawrence. Would but I trade Trevor for, for CJ? I would not. I would not no. do that. But CJ, to me, is having a better season right now 
than Trevor Lawrence. Would I take him even up in a draft? I, I don't think so. I've seen Trevor enough from Trevor to know that he is the guy. CJ's having a better season, no doubt about it right now. I don't think you can make the argument that Trevor's out of, having a better season. Jaguars have, the Jaguars have more wins. What, what, what is a quarterback stat besides wins? Well, let's, wins let's, is a quarterback stat, and the Jaguars have more of them. Head to head, CJ outdueled Trevor. They're two games behind. Jacksonville's a better team than Houston, no doubt about it. But CJ's having a better season than Trevor. I don't, I don't think you can. He's 62% passer. Trevor's about 66. So, again, there are stat categories that Trevor's ahead in. But CJ is having a better season. Doesn't mean I would trade him straight up for Trevor. Absolutely not. But he's having a better season. No way to, no way to dice that. Robert Griffin III had a fantastic rookie season. He did. There are plenty of guys. Gardner Minshew mania was some, something serious as a rookie. Then defenses figured them out, yep. and uh, it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows the rest of the way. All I'm saying. All right, let's go to the next one of these because we could probably sit here and go back and forth about this all day. The Jaguars have nine games left in their season. They started the year six and two. Is the second half more difficult than the first? I think so. I think playing, I mean, yeah, you had the, the London trip in there, you, the Cam Robinson injury. Yeah, I think that on paper that looked more imposing and probably was just being out of the elements. But I think now playing with the lead, you got some tough games coming up. You know, they say heavy is the head that wears the crown and leading in the AFC South right now. That's what you're going to do. You're going to be the hunted. You're going to be chased. The Texans coming on strong. I do think this is going to be a more difficult part of the schedule just because you're in the lead. I mean, you've, you've seen those collapses before. You saw the opposite of Jacksonville last year. They were chasing. They had no pressure on them last year. Now you're a leader, and people are going to come after you. I think it's a tougher stretch, even though on paper it may not seem like it, but I do think it, that's how it'll play out, tougher. The Jaguars definitely do have some very difficult games. Look, it starts this week against San Francisco. We'll talk a little bit more about the Niners in a minute. But it starts with San Francisco. Then they also have Baltimore, which I mentioned earlier. And that Cleveland game in December, you going to Cleveland, you don't know what the weather could be like. Yeah. Keep in mind, the Jaguars are a warm-weather team. I don't, it, they're a warm-weather team. So if they're in Cleveland and it's snowing, that plays towards the Browns. Browns aren't a great team, but still. And they have the Bengals on the schedule. Plus, the Titans are a team that just have had the Jaguars number over and over again. We've seen it. This, those aren't easy games. Plus, you play the Texans again, who got you the first time. Look, yes, the second half of the schedule, I think, is more difficult than that first half of the schedule. But I feel like most of those games kind of should fall one way or the other. Really hard or very, I don't want to say easy, but very winnable. And there's about three games that are that I think everybody can uniformly agree are the most difficult. San Francisco, yeah. Cincinnati, yep. Baltimore. Absolutely. Best news about all three of those, they're all at the bank. Right. And hey, they saw the Ravens last year. Played well against the Ravens, came back and won that game. And again, this hasn't been the Cincy team of, of Super Bowl status. So Jacksonville's been hot, no doubt about it. I think they do figure things out the second half of the season that did not go well the first. So I think they are a team still on the rise. Again, we haven't seen them with a full complement on their offensive side of the ball. If Zay Jones injury lingers, that's a, that's a big problem. But I do think Jacksonville is on the ascent. That's not, not why I'm not worried about the C.J. Trevor argument. I think Jacksonville is on that incline. Yes, a more difficult second half of the season, but winnable games. Starts this Sunday. Do you have a number of losses in your head for the second half of the season right now? Well, you know, I said originally, I said 10 and 7. I flipped that to 11 and 6. So I'm going to say at maximum four losses on the second half of the season. I I'd, like love to, I'd love to see no more than three, but I think four is probably the most that they will lose. Somewhere between 20, 10 and 12 wins. I like 11 and 12, uh, somewhere right in there. So that's perfect. Is that going to be enough for the Jaguars to seal up the number one seed in the AFC? That's the tough question. That's tough. I don't think they get there. 
I think something happens. I think the Chiefs get hot. I think the Ravens stay in front, something like that. They're going to win the AFC South. I think that's, that's a given, but I don't think their number one seed material just said I think next year is that year for Jacksonville to combat that make that number one seed Trevor year four Doug year three I think it's next year that they get that number one seed but I think they get pursuit to it but I'm gonna go with a team like the Ravens or the uh, or the Chiefs get that number one seed in the AFC you so sure about next year since you you think CJ Stroud's so good I mean that he's That's gonna true. still be around in year two right AFC, AFC championship game look I, I I do think they have an opportunity here's the problem I think the Chiefs schedule the rest of the way is really easy I can only see when I was looking at it maybe one or two spots for hiccups unless they have a few of those kind of just, you know, bump on the head kind of games like they had against Denver yeah, a couple of weeks ago. So, but I can't see them having three or four of those is, is kind of where I'm getting at this with. I think the Chiefs are going to seal up the number one seed. I just don't see a way around it unless there's something catastrophic that happens or changes. So that leads to the Jaguars being in the running for possibly the number two or three seed. I, I think the Jaguars have a realistic opportunity to get that two seed. Same. I agree. Two seed was better a few years back when you got a bye week with right. it. No bye week anymore, but you do get the home game and then the possibility of a second home game, and then you just hope somebody goes up into KC and beats them. Yeah. And then you get a third one uh, <laughs> if it goes that way. But, look, I, Kansas City's good, and their schedule's pretty easy because they are in a much easier division than the Jaguars. I mean, they just are. So they have some easy games on their schedule. Maybe somebody surprises them the rest of the way and, and gives the Jaguars a little bit more hope. But that early season loss, when we were kind of talking about what it could mean in that moment, I know it was week two and it was like, uh, nobody wants to look all the way ahead to the playoffs, yep. but there are ramifications when you lose those type of games because those are the types of games that matter right. late in the year. Absolutely. I, I remember Jacksonville in 99, 14-2 team. They had that first-round playoff bye. They waxed the Dolphins in the playoff opener. And then you get the Titans for the AFC Championship game. But again, having those games at home, so critical, regardless if you lose the Titans or whomever in the AFC Championship game, having those games at the bank. I mean, it was rocking last year in the Chargers game. It'd be great to have two of those here. And then, hey, if you got to go to Kansas City for that AFC Championship game, that's uh, better than going there in the second round. Okay, nine games left in the Jaguars season. Let's take a look at the next six games, which these are the ones that I think this is the hardest stretch of the Jaguars schedule, right? You get the Titans, you get the Texans once, you have Baltimore, who's right up there as the top team in the AFC, the Bengals, who are getting hot, two primetime games in there, but there's that December game against Cleveland. I was saying, Cleveland's defense is really good, and you're going to Cleveland in December. Who knows what the weather could be, but it's probably going to be cold. And then you got the San Francisco game on Sunday. If you had to put your finger on one of these that says that it worries you the most, which one would it be? I, uh, that's tough. It probably, oh man, that's tough. The Browns defense is playing so well, and being Cleveland in December, Miles Garrett, I'm going to say that game worries me a little bit more. I mean, San Francisco at home, Bengals at home, Ravens at home. Um, and that Texans game worries me too. I mean, it, historically, the Texans and Jags, I mean, the Texans have owned Jacksonville. We saw a 20-point win earlier this year with a rookie in his third game. Um, so that, I, I, think, um, I think that Browns game worries me the most. Probably the Ravens next and the Texans. All right, you said four losses in the back half of the season. How many losses did you see in that next six? Uh, probably two right there. I could see two. Uh, two right I could, there. I could see two. That, that's, that, that's fine to me, I no. think. I, I think if you're fine right there at four and two. Look, th each season 
kind of has its own mini seasons, in the, or if we want to go with the script analogy, they have different scenes along the way. Yeah. So about like each three games, something happens, something pops up. We're talking about it. You just hope that it's all sunshine and rainbows, and that you're at the clock, you're you're heading full steam ahead toward the playoffs. All right, last three games of the season. These are a little bit of a different story after those six: Tampa, Carolina, and then the Titans again. If everything goes well, maybe we're talking about the Jaguars resting players against the Titans in Nashville in January. Yeah, I mean, that's those are three winnable games right there. I mean, Bryce Young, the Panthers not having a great season. The Bucks probably out of uh, playoff contention at that point. And then the Titans, you know, the Titans are the Titans. I mean, we saw what last year's last game was. I mean, unbelievable game for the Jags. They clinched the AFC South with that win last year at the bank. But, you know, who knows? I mean, those, those divisional games, you never can tell what uh, – what happens in those games? So, I mean, week 18 at the Titans, I mean, that would that surprise me if they lost there? Not at all. I mean, just those, that's how wacky that series has gone. And, you know, we've always kind of said the Jags win games are not supposed to win, lose games are not supposed to lose. They weren't supposed to lose the Texans in week three. They weren't. They may not. Supposed to be losing the Titans in week 18. Well, uh, the one thing, they've already, Titans have already seemingly turn the page over to Will Levis. Right now, Ryan Tannehill's hurt. We'll see if they stick with Levis. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. You, you hate if they pull the plug on the rookie and you have no idea what he's going to do and have not seen him yet. So at least the Jaguars will have a few weeks of football if they do have to go against Will Levis, who hasn't looked bad. Yeah, he's, a great, he's looked pretty good. Great he's, debut and came back down to earth the yeah. next week against the Steelers. Kind so, of, again, a little road. Kind of like a Gardner Minshew. I mean, he was great week one. You got a little bit of ebb and flow, and you're going to see that with Will Levis. But great start for him. All right, next up for the Jaguars. This week, they take on the San Francisco 49ers. That is a big game. San Francisco is one of the teams that uh, many people expect to be in the conversation for that NFC championship. They, they're considered that elite team in that side of the league, and the Jaguars have an opportunity to show what they can do. Here are some of the stats and how they stack up against each other for these teams. Jaguars are scoring a few less points than the 49ers, and the 49ers have some more passing yards and rushing yards, and that just kind of shows where the Jaguars have struggled on offense. But clean games. They've had much better from a penalty standpoint. Jaguars are on a five-game winning streak, though, while the 49ers have lost three straight games. Both teams are coming off of a bye week. This one surely will be interesting. Yeah, and you look at, you know, when I saw this game on the schedule initially, and it was talks about being flexed into a night spot, um, I feel much more comfortable about the game being in Jacksonville than I do that game being in San Francisco. Jacksonville's West Coast struggles very pronounced. But, no, I mean, no, no doubt. You look at San Francisco's stats, you know, Christian McCaffrey and Brock Purdy's come back down to earth a little bit. But, I mean, the, the potential, that Niners offense is scary good. It can put up a number on you. So, yeah, a little bit worrisome. But, I mean, San Francisco's a little bit of a slide right now. You get a new defensive player to the mix you just traded for. So, we'll get to see him for the first time. So, a little bit worrisome, but not as worried as I was when the schedule first came out. Yeah, 49ers traded for Chase Young, one of the guys that we talked about yeah. as possibly being a target for the Jaguars. That did not happen. So now the Jaguars get to play against him and try and block him on Sunday. It's going to be an interesting game. This is kind of one of those measuring stick games. As we talk about the Jaguars wanting to be able to compete with the elite teams and, and making that run at a number one seed in the AFC and, a, and maybe even a Super Bowl trip, yeah. you have to show that you can hang with these sorts of teams. And this is a measuring stick game where you can show that. Absolutely. Just like it was last year with the Cowboys, 
the Ravens, the Bills this year. I mean, those games are measuring sticks. The Chiefs were the measuring stick last year, this year for Jacksonville. That's why the game two, week two on this calendar was circled because Jacksonville wanted to see where it stacked up, failed that test, obviously. But these are the games, the Niners, the Ravens, the Bills, those type of games, those heavyweights that are going to be left standing in the playoffs. You've got to see where you measure up. You want to see where you measure up against the Titans. You want to see the creme de la creme of the AFC and the NFC, and you're getting a chance to do that. We saw they scaled that wall against the Bills, didn't do it against the Chiefs. How will they do against the NFC guy and the Niners? I think they can win this game on Sunday. It's a winnable game for sure. The Niners have not been playing great football. Debo Samuel's banged up. Trent Williams was banged up. Christian McCaffrey was banged up. It seems like some teams have started to figure out Brock Purdy. There's an opportunity there, but they've also had the same week to get healthier that the Jaguars have had. So we'll have to see. Now, the big help is that the game is at home in Jacksonville. Bad news is 49ers travel really well. <laughs> so we might see quite a few San Francisco fans at the bank on Sunday. Hey, that's okay. That's okay. It, it makes it part of the game, part of the fun. And, hey, at least it's not a, you know, a Chargers team coming here, playoffs and stuff. I'd rather see another Bay Area team, the Niners, coming here and bringing some fans here. I like it. Look, every game is monumentally important. It's so much more fun right now to talk about the possibility of getting a number one seed than talking about a number one overall pick. So it, stark contrast to maybe just a couple of years ago. If, Sucks. Even last year at this time, we were, we were kind of debating, oh, could this go off the rails and be yeah, And you're looking at, at draft, draft picks. You know, you're looking, I mean, Jamal and I have done the News for Jacks podcast for a few years now, and at this point in the season, we're already talking about guys scouting, you know, looking at the, the list and, you know, the receiving core depth. Who's a good receiver to get? So it's a completely different vibe. In Jacksonville, when you're talking about number one seeds, number one winning the AFC South, as opposed to who's in top ten draft pick. I mean, it's so different covering a winning team, a team that's on the ascent, than it is talking about when you come back from London with another debilitating loss, what that draft looks like next year. It's a tale of just how far this team has come really quick. All right, so before we wrap things up here, we've got nine games left in the Jaguar season. We've seen some players really step up in the first half. We've talked about the Josh Allens. We've talked about the Mike Caldwells, the Travis Etienne's. Um, we don't have to talk about Trevor. Give me one guy who you think really needs to step up for this team in the second half of the year to possibly make that number one seed a reality. Yeah, I, I want to see more from Calvin Ridley. I feel like he's been a little bit, you know, not bad, but just not that guy, not that alpha guy we expected to see when they made that trade deadline deal last year. So it, Calvin had a great week one, and he's kind of juggled with, you know, banged up a little bit, being targeted, and I, I think that's why – not having Zay Jones has really impacted that passing game. And Calvin Ridley, you're going to see more double coverage. If you're Calvin Ridley, you have Christian Kirk, who's that outlet kind of guy. Evan Ingram, that outlet guy, he has yet to find the end zone. But I want to see more from Calvin Ridley. We expected him to be, and he even talked about being that 13, 1,400-yard receiver in the offseason. And he's just not been that guy yet. I'm kind of waiting for that whole passing game to get going, get unfurled. And, and Trevor hasn't dialed it in yet. Evan's still looking for that first touchdown. I want to see the Calvin Ridley we thought we were going to see. No, I'm with you. I think Calvin Ridley definitely, he's made an impact that kind of goes beyond the stat sheet. We always talk about it with some of the other guys, but he has. All the pass interference penalties that he's drawn, those are first downs. Those matter in the game. They don't show up in the stats when we start talking about receiving yardage or catches and things like that, but those matter in the moment, in the game. That moves the sticks, keeps the drive alive. So those matter. So he's made an impact, and the way defenses are playing him have opened things up for guys like a Christian Kirk, for guys like Zay Jones when he's been on the field, but even Evan Ingram out there. So he's, he's making an impact, but you'd like to see him make a bigger impact. Yeah. I think part of it is getting used to having that guy that 
how he's covered doesn't really matter. You still kind of just have to give him the opportunity to go make a play. Like, oh, even over the course of this season, we've seen him make some spectacular catches out on the field. During training camp, we were he'd made at least one wild catch, I feel like, every day during training camp. And he's one of those guys where at times maybe, yeah, or he's double covered. Maybe he doesn't have a whole lot of breathing room. Just give him a shot. Yeah. If, I, if nothing's there, give him a shot. I want to see it. I want to see that. And, you know, it, it's great to draw the pass interferences. It's great to be the guy who's, you know, rubbing off on the teammates and the other receivers. I love that. It's great. It's intangible. You can't measure in a box score. But sometimes, and most of the time, I mean, you're paid to catch passes. You're paid to catch touchdowns and beat guides and stuff. It's great to be, a, a, a again, rubbing off in a positive way, drawing pass interferences. But, again, you need to produce, and this is a production-based league, and I think we just need to see more of that from Calvin Ridley. I, I need to see more from Evan Ingram. I mean, he's great. He's a pass-catching machine. You're not finding the end zone, and I think a lot of that, again, goes back to the offensive line and the comfortability, not having Zay Jones, and I think we will start to see that in the second half as we get some of these missing ingredients back into that lineup. On the other side of the ball, the guy I'll point out is Trayvon Walker. And I know me and Justin have sat here and debated uh, the merits of Trayvon Walker time and time again. Look, the Jaguars need him to step up down the stretch. Josh Allen has been holding up his end of the bargain as a pass rusher through the first half. But while Josh Allen ranks near the top of the league in sacks, the Jaguars as a team, they're in the bottom third of the league in sacks. He needs help. And that guy has to be Trayvon Walker. Gotta right be. now, he's got the three and a half, which equals to you to last year. So icing on the cake. So there's no argument to be had that he hasn't improved as a player, but they need more. Absolutely. And you need him to get hot. Absolutely. And, and again, he has played. He's a guy, you know, Jamal has mentioned about, you know, the, the Calvin Ridley, kind of the intangible kind of stuff. He has been that guy. Trayvon Walker has been phenomenal in aspects of the game. You heard Mike Tomlin talk about it, Steelers Week. He was an impactful guy. He did more things than sack the quarterback. You had to be aware of Trayvon Walker wherever he was on the field because he was so disruptive. But the same principle with the Calvin Ridley thing. You can be a great locker room guy. You can draw pass interference or holding calls, but you've got to produce. They did not draft Trayvon Walker number one overall to give him three sacks a year. You, you've got to have more than that. Trayvon's the only guy on this team that can do it out, opposite Josh Allen. Keep in mind, your guy, Aiden Hutchinson, only has four. <laughs> so, not exactly much of a difference there. Jaguars seem to have gotten their guy that they like. We'll see what Trayvon has down the stretch. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us here on Teal the Show Plus. We've got plenty more Jaguars coverage coming your way over online. You can check that, all of that out on newsforjacks.com. And we've got some more over on Channel 4 coming your way live tonight at 1120. We'll have Frank Frangie in the building for our normal Teal the Show. We'll get you caught up on everything you need to know and start to look ahead down the road. Make sure you tune in for that. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us here. Good night, everybody, and go Jags.